Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. Minnesota Vikings, the NFL, football, yeah, football. Welcome to Purple Podcast. We're here, Lucky's 13, in Plymouth, Judd, for this episode of the Purple Podcast. And it's the bye week. Tell me first how you are feeling about this Minnesota Vikings team. Give me your confidence level in the Vikings as a legitimate Super Bowl team that we expected them to be at the beginning of the year as we sit here in the bye week. Well, it's not as high as it probably was when they signed Cousins and made the moves after a 13-3 finish in 2017. But, Matthew, honestly, it's there have been some uh, pitfalls and some problems for this team. But when I go back and I look at those first five games, they didn't turn out exactly how I expected. But aside from the tie, if you had told me that the season was going to go record-wise about how it's been so far going into the bye week, I would have said that's not bad. The Buffalo loss was off the charts bad. But when we looked, if you recall, in July and going into the season, when we looked at those first five games, we said this is going to be incredibly tough, and and we predicted that that slightly above 500 in that span of games would be pretty good. So the Buffalo loss colored a lot of how we felt about the first five games, but the reality is if you look at how this team did and, and take out the tie, because the tie is just weird, but if you look at where they stand right now, Going into um, uh, coming out of the bye, back-to-back division games at home, or I should say in Chicago on a Sunday night, then at home to Green Bay, the Vikings are in very good shape as far as controlling where they're going to finish in this division. Now, the flip side to this whole thing is, do we, we think they're as good as the Los Angeles Rams and New Orleans Saints? And my answer right now is absolutely not. But division-wise... I think if you're the Vikings, you have to be pretty pleased. Okay, we'll get into the second half of the season and our outlook in a minute, but let me give you my take on that is over that first section of the season, I thought that it could be lost there where they lose the Buffalo game, they lose the Los Angeles game, and this is where the train could come off the rails. And you could potentially see this team falling apart if they didn't have the same type of leadership at the quarterback position, if a lot of people uh, were getting injured where they didn't last year, that you could see the Vikings starting to slip 
and they needed a game changer for the season. They needed a boost. They needed that huge win. So when they went to Philadelphia, I think that's the turning point of the season. Even though Philadelphia has not turned out to be as good of a team as they were last year, that win still felt like a very bonding and gelling win for this Vikings team, especially the way they did it. They played great defense, and they were able to close them out. Linval Joseph scores a touchdown, and it just felt like a new energy for the Vikings then. And what I've really been impressed by, Judd, is Mike Zimmer's ability over the last two years to handle the bumps in the road out of the gate. That last year, it looked like things could have fallen off the rails early. They lost in Pittsburgh, and then at halftime, they're in a a, a really tough game with Chicago. And when they came out of that one, it felt like, okay, they can get through this, and they can go the rest of the way. And, And I feel the same way this year about this team is if they could get through Philadelphia, if they can win in Philly, then they can beat almost anybody. And it goes along with the adjustments that Mike Zimmer has made on defense for this team to now slow down a Detroit Lions offense that isn't great but is decent to take care of business when they were playing bad teams. And even against New Orleans, they're in the game. And they certainly had a chance to beat New Orleans at home. And I, and that's the thing that I come back to now with where this team stands, Judd, is they played Los Angeles and they played New Orleans. And I didn't think that they got run out of the building by either team. They were in those games, and so they belong in that conversation. They just were not able to seal the deal there. So the, the four-game span coming out, of that, um, coming out of the Philadelphia game that went Arizona at home, Jets on the road, Saints at home, Detroit at home. To me, it was imperative to get three or four. And if one of those three had been the Saints, fantastic. But the most important thing was you have to beat up on, or you should, on the Cardinals, the Jets ideally, and Detroit. And you did. The thing about this league, too, Collard, that I find to be intriguing, and and it's sort of a weird thing, but it's a fun thing, is this as well. We love to fall in love with teams on opening day and say, that's my t- that team is going, going to be great. But the reality is what? It's the Patriots. The reality is you start off in September. What do the Patriots do traditionally? They struggle lots of times. Their, their preseason basically goes until October 1st. But then they start to do what? Adjust. In 2016, the Vikings started 5-0. and and, and they lost. They had the bye. And they went to Philadelphia again. In that case, they lost. And Zimmer ripped them. And they came apart. What Mike has done so well since then is maintain control, made adjustments, and and if I was a Vikings fan going into um, the the Chicago game a week from Sunday, what would give me the most confidence is this team, I think, has turned that corner where they can adjust. And so this goes back to my whole thing is, okay, so starting with that Chicago game, can you now put together a game plan that can consistently beat teams and ideally get to the playoffs and beat a team like the Rams? And my answer is, I think it's yes, but this league is fun because it does allow you basically to look at a team that you think might be pretty good and is disappointing in September, and come November, that narrative can be changed completely depending on how much you can adjust and how confident you are in your own coaching and players to make those adjustments work. Okay, I just want to remind everyone in here at Lucky's 13 that we are going to be giving away tickets to the Minnesota Vikings game here at U.S. Bank Stadium against the Miami Dolphins on December 16th. So all you have to do is come over to this corner where we are broadcasting the Purple Podcast from and fill out a card, put it in the box, and you could win Vikings tickets. 
No, no cost to, to put a little name down, put it in the box. That's stadium. right. That's right. There's no risk proposition. Part of the noise there. You might win Vikings tickets. So come on over, fill out the card, put that in, and uh, we're going to just keep talking Vikings here. If you want to talk Vikings with us, come have a seat, ask us a question, give us a Vikings take, and we would be happy to hear it. Um, let's talk about Kirk Cousins and where he stands. Uh, Myron Metcalf was filling in uh, from ESPN. He asked me today how I felt about Cousins' chances against teams that are really good and against really good quarterbacks like Drew Brees or like Jared Goff, I think is working his way into that conversation as a great NFL quarterback. Where do you think Cousins stands against them, not only just from a one-on-one type of quarterback versus quarterback, but also what he has around him versus what some of the other quarterbacks in the NFC are playing really well, like Brees, like Jared Goff, Cam Newton, I'm going to put in this category. Matt Ryan, I think, is doing really well. Russell Wilson, like, does he have the supporting cast to overcome some of the shortcomings that he has compared to the best quarterbacks? He does when it comes to uh, his fellow skill position players on the Vikings offense. Offensive line-wise, that's a big question. I'm trying to frame this in the most positive way possible here, okay? So let's say that the Vikings, let's say you're going to get the Vikings into the playoffs and that they are going to have a realistic chance of making a run to a a Super Bowl, something that they have not done, if my math is correct, since January of 1977. Kirk Cousins, and this is a cliche, but Kirk Cousins needs to be prepared to play within himself, which is Kirk Cousins can do things that can win you games, and Kirk Cousins has to know what those things are. But but if you're going to throw Russell Wilson at, at me, he's not him. Russell Wilson makes plays where you look at your TV and you think, well, did I just see that? Did I just see that play? Rodgers can make plays like that. There are quarterbacks. There's that upper echelon tier of quarterbacks who can make plays that knock your socks off. When Cousins tries to make those plays, he's going outside of his comfort zone, and it might work, but it might not work. So I believe that what we saw in, in the Detroit game, and I'm not going to imply here that 10 sacks is an every Sunday reality for this defense because it's simply not but Matthew I believe what we saw in that Detroit game is a large portion of the blueprint for the Vikings success Cousins has to limit the mistakes he has to play a good game a strong game the defense needs to consistently probably win you games but it's when Cousins gets outside that zone and decides that he is going to try to to be the hero of the game that he causes problems for himself and therefore the Vikings. Yeah, I think if we're talking about the question of whether they can beat those great teams, I need a lot more information about how healthy the defense is going to be. Everson Griffin coming back to this defense was clearly a massive difference to have him rushing the passer. He led the team in hurries on Sunday. I I looked up that stat, and even though Daniil Hunter had more sacks, it was still Everson Griffin being the guy that other teams have to focus on. And having him back on the defense, they look so much more like we expected them to look. Now they have a deep defensive line. They've proven that they have a deeper secondary than I think any of us would have expected now that uh, Anthony Harris has played well and Holton Hill has stepped in and played pretty well when he's been asked to. And Mackenzie Alexander, they found something he's good at. He's good at blitzing. And so if you're telling me that... It took a couple years, but that's okay. I I know, but you know, it's, it's better than nothing that playing him 20 plays a game, 25 plays a game, 
is a much better situation for him than it would be to play the, the entire time. But that's Mike Zimmer making adjustments as he's gone along. So if the defense is playing the way that they've played over these last four games, then that gives Kirk Cousins a chance. That gives him more opportunities with the ball. That gives him more opportunities to make great throws, which we know he can. More opportunities for Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs to make plays. And if that's the case, then I think that they can beat anyone. But you know what another factor for me is, Judd? Is U.S. Bank Stadium. That I know they're not going to get home field throughout the playoffs. That seems extremely light, unlikely now. But U.S. Bank Stadium, it seems like no matter who comes in there, I've seen this with Rodgers and I've seen this with Breeze, like they have a tough time. And Matthew Stafford just could not reset his protections, and that's why you saw certain guys blitzing free and, and rushing free off the edge at times. That stadium seems to have an effect. And, and here's what I really want to see is how this team, to know whether they can make the Super Bowl, is to see them win at New England or Seattle. Now, Seattle is a much worse team than New England, but to see them win on the road here at Soldier Field, which I'll be at in a couple weeks coming out of the bye, can they win there? Because Chicago has one of the best defenses in the NFL now and an offense that's kind of coming together with their head coach, with uh, Mitch Trubisky as well. So can you go on the road to Chicago? Can you go on the road to Seattle? Can you go on the road to New England and take maybe two out of those three games? That's where this team, I think, has had some of its troubles over the last two years is being able to get that pass rush and having as effective of a defense when they have to go on the road. Yeah, and I think that if, if you were to ask me about playoff opportunities to win games, I really think that in one game, Zimmer coaches a defense that could go back to the Coliseum and beat the Rams. It can't be 38-31. You're not going to win that game. But I do believe that they could come up with a scheme that could maybe perhaps make it a 28-21 win. Something like that. Off the top of my head, the one that seems incredibly tough and daunting, the Saints. That environment is tough. Breeze is so good. That place is as loud or louder in a playoff environment as, as U.S. Bank Stadium would be. But, yeah, coming out, out of this bye, you're going to know a lot about quality of team really quickly just based on, on this. Chicago has been, for the most part, a very tough place for this team to win when the Bears aren't good. They have Khalil Mack now. I think he'll play. That's going to be incredibly tough. If you could bounce back now and come back out of the bye and win at Soldier Field and at home on a Sunday night in a nationally televised game against Green Bay, which, by the way, I think you can win both games. Mm -hmm. If you then go, I believe it goes Patriots-Seattle on the road, correct? If you then can go into one of those two places and win, that's, that's again, an impressive three of four. Beating the Patriots on the road is going to be an incredibly big ask. Seattle is a very tough place to play. It's noisy as all hell there. But if you could get Chicago, Green Bay at home, and, and the Seahawks on the road, that's impressive. And these are all, once again, steps to me through a season that is incredibly long, incredibly trying, and takes constant adjustments and retooling. So, Judd, let me ask you this. What are your biggest questions for the Vikings or I would also say pertaining to the Vikings because that involves other teams? Uh, I'll start with this for the second half questions. We'll just call it second half. I know they've played nine games, but the bye week is almost perfectly in the middle here. My biggest might be what is going on with Green Bay? Like, is Green Bay just – have they just had it tough lately? They had to go to L.A.? And then they had to play New England. 
and you don't expect that they would win either one of those games because they are not in the category of New England or L.A., so their record might look worse than they are, and it might feel worse than they are because they were in both of those games and didn't come out with a win, and both were because of silly mistakes, fumbles, and then maybe some coaching issues there with the Packers. But my question still is, are the Packers sneaky dangerous because they've played some of the tougher teams on their schedule and they tied the Vikings last time they could come in here and and you never know what Rodgers can do or are we looking at them as they're discounted for the second half that they're just not a Super Bowl type contender NFC North champion type contender and you can't see them beating the Vikings when they come to U.S. Bank Stadium I think it's very clear that the problem in Green Bay is the quarterback who is an absolute superstar, hates the head coach, and the head coach has no idea what to do. And I sense that they are pretty much done because the quarterback, that that Patriots game, how many times did we see Aaron either throw a pass and and look at the intended receiver or target or look to McCarthy and have this what-the-bleep-man look? And I think it's just become very obvious that 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 marriage has run its course. It needs to be done. But I don't know, and I don't think that there's anything the Packers are going to do this year to recover from that. My question, division-wise, then, would be this. It's Chicago. How can, good are they? Can Trubisky, can Trubisky play well? And, and the Oakland Raiders did the Chicago Bears a tremendous favor and the Vikings, Lions, and Packers a huge disservice because I think Chicago was an improving, ascending team with a young coach that was in line for a nice year, but certainly not a great year. And Khalil Mack makes a world of difference. Khalil Mack, listen, this is the type of guy to me that's going to give Kirk Cousins nightmares. He's good enough. Cousins is going to panic. And so so my question in Chicago is, can the quarterback play well enough to, to prop up the offense, which is not a bad offense because that defense has gone from being, okay, it's really improved and better, to oh, man, it's really good based on the fact that Khalil Mack just causes so many problems. Okay, let me circle back to Green Bay and try to make the case a little bit here for Green Bay being better than you think or, or being a team that we should not discount just yet. I mean, A, they have the best quarterback or top two quarterback in the league, so there's always that. And okay. Aaron Rodgers is going to be great and can always surprise you. I got their schedule in front of me. They've got still to play Miami Arizona, New York Jets, and Detroit in, the, in their second half. They've got some tough games at Seattle. They have to play Atlanta, Chicago, but they've also got a lot of winnable games, and the Vikings have a much tougher schedule down the stretch than the Packers do. So you could see, I think, the Packers beating those teams and then giving a run to someone like Seattle out there because they have the best quarterback. So I, I guess I don't want to put them out yet. I, I didn't like what I saw against New England, or at least if you're a Packers fan, you were probably really frustrated with that. And it looks like a team that's about to fall apart. But so many times with the Packers, I feel like we have thought the same thing. The Packers are just about to have the wheels go off and fire the head coach and all that. And then Aaron Rodgers does something special and brings him back. So I can't say that I think that the Packers are out of this race yet. It seems like it's worse, though. It they, does. Yeah, it does. The relationship between quarterback and coach has never seemed worse and that doesn't mean that they're done i mean as you you went through the schedule there's definitely some games that they're going to win but i'm just thinking to myself as the season progresses 
I don't see McCarthy and Rodgers getting back on the same page enough to make them a huge, viable threat. I think that they can win games. I think they can contend. And, and really, to your point right there, too, here's the other question. Do the Vikings now get to the point where they improve enough in this next chunk of four games so that they ascend from being in the conversation to win their division to getting closer to the Rams and Saints? The Saints loss pretty much convinced me at that time that the Vikings weren't near that class yet, Yeah, that they weren't in that upper echelon, upper tier yet. But if the Vikings win three of their next four now, they could be. And so they could basically, to their credit, if they do it, they could pull themselves clear of the Packers of the world and make the Green Bay uh, conversation a lot less important if they can inch themselves up closer to the threat of teams that would be Los Angeles and the Saints right now. Okay, just want to remind everybody in here, uh, we're at Lucky's 13 in Plymouth. This is the Purple Podcast that we're recording, so if you like the Vikings, feel free to uh, check out the Purple Podcast. 1500ESPN.com is one place you can find it, or wherever you get your podcast from the app on your phone or, or wherever you might get them. Also, we are giving away tickets to the Vikings-Dolphins game over here in the corner, so you come over, just fill out your name, put it in the little box, and then after we're done recording the podcast, we are going going to pick a name and you can win tickets it's that come simple up and ask a question too and you can also come up and ask a question we've vikings got the us. uh the microphone set up here we've got a little chair so if you have a vikings question for us come on over or uh, a hot take or what, whatever uh we'll take it so um so what is your biggest question then judd for the second half of the season because mine is the nfc north and just how it plays out with the bears and the packers mine is What's ve- yours mine is very very simple can Kirk Cousins understand his exact role with this team? Can Kirk Cousins understand that there are going to be times when his arm strength tells him that he can make a play, but his brain should say, don't try that? Because when you're, if they had signed him built solely on offense, I would say to myself, okay, that's it. He's got to make plays. He's got to do it. But he doesn't. This defense can be that good. We saw if you have the key components to this team in place, this defense especially, can be outstanding. It has been for a while. So can Cousins go into into this next chunk of four games not thinking to himself, I have to be a hero, but thinking to himself, what can I, what can I do? And sometimes it's going to mean taking a sack or an incomplete pass. What can I do to make this team as successful as possible where I'm comfortable with not trying to play the hero role? See, I, I look at it as Kirk Cousins probably isn't going to change the way he plays quarterback that there are still going to be times in the second half of the season where he drives you crazy. And it's not just the turnovers. That's what we focused on the most. But some of the situational things and some of the decision-making, some of the, the processing that's led to sacks and things like that, all, all those things are the shortcomings. I don't think that those are going to change, but I think he is going to put up points on the board from week to week to week. I think my biggest question is how they react to some of those things. Because against New Orleans, they should have still been in that game. I mean, they were right there. Yeah. Like they, they, the, the fumble by Adam Thielen should not have taken them apart in that game, but they let it, right? So the question for me is now when they go against some of these really good teams down the stretch, when they have to play at New England and with play at Seattle and against Green Bay at home, 
how do they react to those things when when tough times come up when someone fumbles when there's an interception somebody returns a fumble for a touchdown against them or you know we haven't seen any special teams full pause but there will be someone will miss a kick and how does this team react do they let their opponent who has a great quarterback take advantage because that's what they've done against Los Angeles, and that's what they did against New Orleans to lose the big games that they've had so far is that they let them take advantage of those mistakes, whereas they it didn't matter against Detroit because Detroit wasn't good, right. and it didn't matter against the Jets, and it didn't matter against Cardinals. Arizona because no, they're just true. not yeah. that good. Yeah. But So when they play the Packers here, how is their defense going to respond to some of the mistakes that happen? I, I think that, offense, that's what too, I'm really though. looking at. And offense, yes. That, that Saints game, you're, you're right. They came unglued, basically. I'm also very curious if there is one player that I have a question about. It's this. Can Dalvin Cook stay healthy? Mm -hmm. Dalvin Cook changes the dynamic of that offense, I think, in a huge way. And and a hamstring's a problem, and he's played in what now? Something like, is it nine games? Seven of 25, I think. Yeah. So if Dalvin Cook, there's nobody offensively that can step in and play his role. So if Dalvin Cook plays... It makes Cousins' life simpler. It covers up uh, some of the gaffes, not all, but some of the gaffes of the offensive line and its struggles. Dalvin Cook has the ability to to allow that playbook to be much bigger. And if he can consistently play, this is not saying that every run's going to be perfect. It's not. But if he can consistently be in there, especially once Dig- Diggs comes back, Dalvin Cook presents a threat that without him is just simply gone. So here's what I want you things like that. Here's what I want you to do for me, Judd. I want you to pick the rest of these games, assuming that Delvin Cook and Everson Griffin are healthy and at their best. Okay. Okay. Okay, Sunday. Starting out with at Chicago on November 18th, I will be there at Soldier Field. My first experience there was 2016. That was wild. And it always seems to be, right? That's yes. what everyone told me. That was, never the first, simple, that was the first time I covered a game in Chicago. And everyone said, like, oh, man, something always weird happens in Chicago. It's and like, okay, it's whatever. Too. And, and that makes it even even yeah. more likely to be crazy. So the first game that I covered was when they fired the offensive coordinator after and Mike Zimmer hurt his eye. Yep. And then the second game uh, that I've been around for last year they start Sam Bradford, and he re-injures his knee, and then they have a great comeback win that seemed to bring the team together. So what happens this time in Chicago? I think they win. I, I think they win. I think it's close because in Chicago it usually is pretty close for them. But I think that uh, I think that if you give me Griffin and Cook completely healthy and playing up to their capabilities in Chicago, I think they win a close game. Okay, moving on to uh, home against Green Bay on Sunday, November 25th. Do they win that game? Oh, I think they do, yeah. Yeah, I think that, as, as I said, I just I don't think Green Bay is destined to be bad for a long period of time now because the quarterback is just so damn good. But I think it's fallen apart enough, and, and that as you brought up earlier on uh, tonight's Purple Podcast, U.S. Bank Stadium is a tough place to play. Mm-hmm. It is. So I think you get – I think – you get two extremely important division wins on the heels of the Detroit win. So I think you beat Chicago at Soldier Field, and then at U.S. Bank Stadium you beat the Packers. Are we assuming that New England beats the Vikings at New England December 2nd? I think that's safe. I think I have a hard, t- I have a very hard time saying that the, the Vikings go in and beat Belichick. I will that's- say this, though. Look for Coach Zim to be incredibly uptight that week. <laughs> yes. Because every head coach yes. who's about to play Belichick, 
they tighten the screws just a little bit, and they become incredibly paranoid and uptight. Okay, so you've got them winning two out of their first three coming out of the bye, then going to Seattle. That's a tough one. That's a big swing game, I think. It is. And a month and a half ago, I would have said it's a tough game, but the Vikings definitely win. But Seattle, to their credit, is actually improving. Nonetheless, if you're going to give me, once again, uh, Griffin and Cook being healthy and that defense playing up to its optimal capabilities, I think it's a very close victory field goal or something. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the Vikings, once again, three of four and to be on a really good track that they beat Seattle in Seattle. Okay, I assume the game that we're giving away tickets to over here, hint, hint, everyone in here, um, I assume that the Miami game that you think the Vikings will win. Well, I'd like to assume that, and then I go right back to the game against your Buffalo Bills and become very par- <laughs> Mine, paranoid, yeah. paranoid and scared again for the Vikings. But, yes, I think that uh, they do beat Miami. They've taken their one terrible loss for 2018, and they beat Miami. So at that point, you've got them getting to nine wins with two weeks left to go, and then they have at Detroit and against Chicago. Do you think they get to 10 or 11 wins for this team? I mean, you are really you know, I'm feeling, a, feeling good about the yeah, second I half am, of the season. You know, I am. I'm going to give them a fluky loss at Detroit okay. or the Chicago game. So I'm, I'm going to have them, I believe, then that would be getting to 10 wins, correct? Yeah. One more win. Because along the way, there's going to be something fluky. Yeah. If I'm going to give them Seattle, I'm going to take away one that seems too obvious. So it'll either be and, – and listen – by that point in time, you know what? Chicago might be on track, too, playing really well. Who knows? So I'm going to say they either lose at Detroit, which which seems to be tough more than it should be for them, or more likely Chicago upsets them uh, at U.S. Bank Stadium. Okay, so you have the Vikings getting to 10 wins. Does that win the division, you think? Oh, that's so tough because Chicago. now I'm not sure what Chicago's going to yeah, do. Yeah, right. Chicago worries me a lot more than Green Bay. Um, I don't know. I yeah, don't know. I think they're a playoff team, but I don't know. I feel like the tie is going to get in our way. <laughs> like feel, yeah. As we're doing playoff scenarios and whether they're going to win, that, that somehow this tie is going to come into play, whether it's with the Packers or with Chicago. I hate the tie, too. It's I brutal. absolutely abhor it's brutal. the tie. I don't hate a lot of things in life. I hate that tie. <laughs> I hate the tie. All I right. like a lot of things. So before, before we wrap up, if uh, anybody has a Vikings question or comment, what do you got? All right, so we, we have been handed a question. Thank you, sir. What are your thoughts on acquiring Amir Abdullah off waivers from the Lions? That's a great question, sir. Thank you. The, the running price back. Of your buddy Rock Thomas. Well, he went to the practice He's squad. Up back in the they practice signed him to the practice squad. So, Judd, how do you feel about Amir Abdullah being added to the Vikings roster? Well, you're you're the film guy. Tell me, is the skill set that he can catch the passes, do some things as a backup that that Rock Thomas didn't necessarily yet thrive in. Rock seemed to me to be a hot commodity potentially coming out of training camp and then when given the chance didn't thrive. So if Abdullah can bring you a veteran presence and some insurance there, I like it. I think it's smart. And Thomas got through the uh, waiver process on Thursday. And as you just said, it was added back to the practice squad. I see no downside to making a move like this. So here, sir, is why I like the move to add him. Assuming that he looks like he did last year, uh, because he was actually really good against the Vikings last year, is that he could catch the ball. He had 25 catches for them last year for Detroit, 
and you can line him up as a wide receiver if you need to. You can use two running backs. You could have him and Delvin Cook on the field at the same time. You can have him fill in on third downs if you want to. That he's kind of a piece, assuming that he's in good shape. He's 25. He shouldn't have lost anything from last year that you can move him as a little bit of a chess piece and for a team that doesn't really have a lot of stars outside of Thielen, Diggs, and Delvin Cook, I think it just adds another versatile player. So I really like it. Uh, I think it was a good move for them. I was surprised that Detroit decided to get rid of him, but I guess they just have a stacked backfield. So uh, I, I think adding another guy at this point that can be a playmaker for you might turn out to be surprisingly important it's, it's some, somewhere down the road. If he makes one play for you, if he scores one touchdown or converts one third down, oh, absolutely. then so it was a good third. move because it didn't cost you anything. So thank you, sir, very much for the question. Who did, did you, Detroit cut? Did you apply to get potentially win the tickets? All you got to do is write down your name. Well, it's free. And, and, I mean, you can no get charge. Free, free swag, too. You can it's do it. Some great stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, who, who did Detroit add to get rid of him? Uh, um, who's the fullback or so? They had a fullback. Okay, so it's no big. It was, no, no, no. They didn't make like a big move. Okay, so because I, I do, I do like the fact if you're the Vikings that the Packers still traded Ha Ha Clinton Dix at the deadline. Yeah, that was which, weird. Which well, and and I guess he wasn't playing that great. And Packer people will tell you, well, they weren't going to keep him. But I still, and I think we talked about this at the time, I still don't comprehend at the deadline trading away a depth guy who's actually starting for you. Yeah. That's a very, to me, that's a very dicey move. If I'm the Vikings, I love moves like that. And did you see that New Orleans signed Des Bryant? Yes, I did. Uh, Yeah, they put a a receiver on IR. Right. They're shorthanded. And you know what my first thought was? This is what, and I might be wrong here, but I think I'm right. This is what this is what good teams with infrastructures with guys like Drew Brees can do. Des Bryant's potentially a pain in the ass, right? And if you are Jacksonville or something, you're thinking to yourself, if we put this guy in our locker room, it's going to be a disaster, right? But when you got Drew Brees sitting in the corner locker there, you could say to yourself, we'll take a little bit of a chance on this guy because he's going to most likely come in here and fall in line. And, and is he going to be the perfect citizen? I have no idea. But the infrastructure is so good that we can, we can afford the possibility that at least we can introduce him to our locker room without it being a disaster. Yep, and a uh, good team, I think, just gets better with him if he has anything left. If he doesn't, they'll probably just cut him. But it, if he's anything like the receiver he was a few years ago, even, even just a shred of that, he doesn't have to be a top-notch receiver anymore, but just a guy – who could get open here and there, make the catches that he's thrown, yeah. that, that that takes their offense to an even better level. And I, I think it kind of speaks to the Vikings adding Amir Abdullah, too, is you get an opportunity to bring somebody in who isn't expensive that they can add in their salary cap. You have to do it because the Vikings are among the teams with New Orleans, with Los Angeles, who have a chance. And you don't get that many chances. So take your shot anytime you can. So that's, I mean, one of the reasons that I like that move and what New Orleans did with uh, Des Bryant. So what's it going to take for you now? How much more are you going to have to see success-wise from the Vikings for you to push them up towards that top group? Because the Saints loss definitely impacted how I felt about that. The Detroit win, and you're right, Detroit's bad, but the Detroit win was impressive. So what's it going to take now, let's say, in these next four games for you to even consider saying, you know what, I'm going to slide the Vikings back up possibly right behind the Saints or in that group? I mean, I would definitely say if they can beat Chicago and Green Bay, 
then they're in that category. I, I mean, I, I think that you are discounting Green Bay a little early just because it's still Aaron Rodgers. Um, and I still look at them as a very respectable opponent to come into U.S. Bank Stadium. But if they beat Chicago, then I think, okay, they can win the NFC North. That's a huge swing game. And then if they beat Green Bay, okay, that's the one of the best defenses and then one of the best quarterbacks back-to-back after a hot streak that they've been on. And then assuming that they still have some of their key players healthy, then that looks to me like a Super Bowl-caliber team, even if – they didn't win those games against New Orleans and Los Angeles. They would be, at that point, playing better than they were when they faced Los Angeles, if that makes sense. It, it does. And I am actually, at this point, discounting to a certain degree that Rams loss. That loss, that final score, and that style of game, and, and the way that that defense played, essentially starting second-half playoff game against the Saints through that game, was so not them. And Zim's talked about the adjustments and, and all that, which I, which I buy into completely. But I really, I look at that, starting with the Philadelphia game then, and say the, ide- the identity, at least defensively, shifted back to who the Vikings are. So I go back to that Rams game. And it was a fun game to watch, and the final score was wild. But that really was not them. Mm-hmm. And in no way is that their formula for ultimate success. So I do give them credit for understanding that, realizing that, and most importantly, fixing that because... You go second-half playoff game against the Saints through that Rams loss, and you really see a style of play that in no way can get this team to a championship. Okay, just before we wrap up here, I want to remind everyone, this recording that we're doing in the corner, it's called the Purple Podcast, so it's all Vikings talk. We do episodes with Sage Rosenfels, used to play for the Vikings, Courtney Cronin, who works for ESPN, so we've got everything covered on the podcast. So if you're a podcast person, then check us out, Purple Podcast. It is very simple. 1500ESPN.com is the website where we cover the Vikings. And if uh, you haven't had a chance yet, we're going to do a drawing soon for the Vikings-Dolphins game December 16th. Free tickets. We've got them. We'll give them to you if you win. So just come write down your name and potentially you could win. So just uh, oh, uh, another reminder that we will be in Bloomington on November 29th and then December ter- uh, 13th in Burnsville. So we will be doing more of these shows. And if you want to come out, say hello. Maybe it's Judd and I or Courtney and I or, or Mandy and I. And so Come say hello. So, all right. Well, thank you all in here in Lucky's 13 in Plymouth for listening to us or tolerating Judd, at least. Oh, and, I was uh, very solid. I know. I was positive. I know. I, know. Is, I kept giving the Vikings wins. And, and so we're, we're going to hang around and get some food if anybody wants to talk football or whatever. So, um, all right. Well, thank you all for listening. Bye.